You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians, myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast for our season three finale. Today we are joined by the owner, producer and co-founder of Salty Theatre, Ashley Taylor Tickell. But before we get started, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Tabal people of Ugera, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live and record, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. Ashley is the owner, producer and artistic director of Salty Theatre. She wears a lot of hats at any given time. With over 25 years of experience in professional theatre, her credits and work have been seen in Canada, the United States and Australia. Originally from Toronto, Canada, Ashley got her first taste of producing when she premiered her own cabaret, Heartache, Milkshakes and Broadway, which was performed at the renowned cabaret venue Don't Tell Mama in New York City. Following successful seasons of Salty Theatre's productions of People Suck, a musical airing of Grievances and Top Gun the Musical, and before a sold-out season of Voldemort and the Teenage Hogwarts musical parody at TheatreWorks, Ashley launched The Hatch Lab with co-founder Sarah Louise to fill a gap in new musical development and production market in Australia. Ashley connects with artists in Australia as a mentor, coach and dramaturg to support and assist them in the development of new work both as a writer and as an independent producer and works with creatives globally to debut their musicals in Australia. Ashley is committed to be an advocate for women, BIPOC and LGBTQIA+. When Ashley isn't working alongside incredible artists both in Australia and abroad to create theatre, she's joyfully spending quality time with her two favourite people in the world, her husband Jeremiah and their son Grant. Please welcome to the mic, Ashley. Hello, hi Eliza, hi Tori, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for reaching out and for coming on the show today. Oh, my absolute pleasure. To close out the season with this hilarious show (laughs) and I'm so excited to get into it but I guess kind of to to jump straight into it and to learn a little bit more about you tell us a bit about how you found the world of theatre yes oh I found the world of theatre when I was nine years old um my parents took myself and my brothers to go see um the Phantom of the Opera which was in Toronto at the time. Yeah. And we were fortunate enough to be sitting in the fourth row. And I, to this day, like many, many years later, (laughs) I still just viscerally remember the feeling of the, the heat when those flames like pop up. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. That the flame moment and the chandelier dropping right above our heads. And I just, Oh, I just, I think to the day I die, we'll remember that feeling I had as a nine-year-old. And after the show, I turned to my parents and I was like, one day I'm going to be on stage. I'm going to do that. And uh, a year later, I was cast in Annie, uh, as Annie in uh, a Toronto-based production. And that just my career began there. And that was it. I, I kept going. And I've been very, very fortunate to have done shows all across North America and voiced cartoons and done films and TV. And, and um, yeah, the years of 
life as a performer eventually led me here to to Melbourne, to my family and to producing now and directing. That's incredible. You've definitely had a massive journey, especially coming from overseas as well. And then now starting your own theatre company, I guess, in a way as well. And so tell us a little bit about Salty Theatre and why you created the company. Yeah, Salty Theatre came, I mean, absolutely came from, uh, you know, a place of love. And when my family and I moved to Melbourne, I knew very deeply that I still wanted to pursue a a life in theatre and a career in theatre. But having a little one, I also recognised that touring was no longer on the cards. And a performer's life for me also wasn't something I felt as, as strongly about because having nights away from home, not being able to tuck my little one in at night, that, you know, that it changed things. And, um, but I knew theater was still in my blood. So from there, I think I I began exploring opportunities uh, in Melbourne and recognized that for me, at least coming from overseas where there is a huge market in regional theater and summer stock theater that really doesn't exist here. Um, There's this, there's this gap where, where they have really amazing, you know, high budget, high quality amateur theater productions. And then they've got, you know, the commercial work that tours here that comes from overseas and the shows that we see repeatedly. But there's in in the world of musical theater, there's very little space for anything in between right now. And I kind of went, I feel like there's a gap. There's there's a niche market that needs to be filled where we can have these incredible opportunities for artists that are are a little bit greener perhaps and exploring their career in the arts having been new graduates or you know who have loads of experience who just haven't had the break that they've deserved and be able to still get paid for their work and build a business and a career for themselves and I think that's kind of where Salty grew from it was going I know I want to create theater and I want to create opportunities for artists that I've been fortunate enough to experience growing up that don't seem to exist quite in the same way here. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely the most tough transition point as well for yeah. for young professionals because they know that they've got the training behind them and they yeah. know they have the skills. They just haven't been a, had the chance to work in a professional environment and to get those things on their CVs to then grow their careers. So it's definitely it's true nice. that there is this this gap that happens in Australia, which is so exciting that there is companies (laughs) like Salty Theatre kind of paving the way for other companies to start doing that as well. Thank you. Yeah, I I hope so. It's been, it's been quite the journey over the last few years and I'm constantly amazed, not only by the talent that exists and, and, you know, the younger generations of performers here and it's, like the talent is amazing but beyond that just the the passion and the drive and the commitment that artists here have to to do good work and to explore their potential and to try new things and and just the way people kind of come out to support and go this is this is a good plan we can help each other and we can build a community to create opportunities it's it's been really exciting yeah i think it's so great to see theaters like salty that really are trying to bridge that gap because like Eliza said there is I find there is so little opportunity like we have some independent small theatres like even just thinking of Sydney we have some but there's not 
many that kind of bridge that gap between like community amateur theater and professional touring shows which can then make it you know feel almost impossible to get any further because you know even if your skills are at that level of doing a touring show you might not have enough experience on your resume so then you don't get looked at as seriously as other people um That's it. so it's really great to see other theaters and I mean I, I would hope that there are more um, oh, yes. but <laughs> I would love more but I guess it's so great to see Salty Theater and, and how well you're doing as well it's thank you so exciting to see what that then can mean for the future of of mm. theater and absolutely indie like pro-am theater yeah yeah that's that's exactly it and and there are there are certainly other you know little companies that are starting to crop up I know at least around here in Melbourne and it's it's been really rewarding and I think inspiring to see that there is so much interest in that and and so much support in in regards to other artists coming in and kind of connecting with each other, producers mm. helping each other out and going, I've got this thing for a set here. You can borrow that. And then I'll borrow this from you next time. And, you yeah. know, you, you have to, you have to build that community. If you want to be able to work in a smaller budget and still be able to pay everyone involved, the artists, the designers, the technicians, you know, you have to find those ways of support because unfortunately the, I guess the sad reality is we're we're still in a, a position in this country and a lot of other countries where mm. the the money that exists already goes to infrastructure that is built and has mm. been built for years and they they kind of do a safe bet and go we know these guys have been touring shows commercially for a decade so we're gonna kind of bet on the same horse you know what I mean instead yeah. of going uh we'll we'll invest in in this because we see potential um there needs to be more of that. Yeah, it's definitely frustrating when we see the same things over and over and over again. And yeah. like, I guess as performers, we can understand both sides of it because a lot of Certainly. performers um, also, you know, double as writers or producers or, you know, putting their own work out there. So we can see both sides of like, oh, I, I get I get why you've gone with them, but you, if you just keep going with them, it's, it's not ever going to change and we're not ever going to see anything different. It's going to be the exact same. That's um, it. And I guess speaking on, you know, producing, so obviously other than producing shows, I've seen on your website a few other things about mentorship um, yeah. and such. What else do Salty Theatre do other than producing phenomenal yeah, shows? Absolutely. Um, so Salty Theatre, that's it. A few things, and in 2023, that is going to continue to expand. But one of the things that we developed is a program called the Hatch Lab, which is a musical theater residency program. And that uh, creates opportunities for new writer or or more seasoned uh, writers and composers who are looking to develop a new piece of theater. And we have kind of different stages through the Hatch Lab where we can say, okay, if you have 10 pages and you want to spend a weekend with us and other professionals in the industry to develop that, you know, that 10 pages to help you with the next steps, uh, we create that opportunity. We also have been developing um, a new musical called Paper Stars as part of the Hatch Lab. Um, in 
with the plan to, in time, after further development, produce it as a new Australian work. So we really are looking to expand the horizons of new Australian musicals and workshop new shows so they can have life outside of, you know, a, a small space or just the workshop room. So that's one of one of the things that Salty Theatre is continuing to work toward and work on. Um, we also offer workshops and masterclasses for performers um, to hone their skills as performers, but not only that, to um, to expand their, I guess, their knowledge and their wherewithal as independent artists who are also a business in and of themselves. Yeah. So that, that means also offering um, intel, I guess, on superannuation and taxes and how, as a performer, you're able to support yourself for the future when you know that work isn't always going to be consistent. So that's something we're offering too, as well as just kind of personal well-being as a performer, as someone in the arts, in a career that can, you know, be very hit and miss and how to take care of yourself. Um, yeah. And then beyond that, also mentorship and consultancy for performers who are looking to produce their own work and have a better understanding of how one can go about creating work as an artist and as a business. Oh my God. That that's is amazing. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Tori and I that like, was side of side. Where do we go? Yeah, that like, was amazing. So much. And I was like, and I'm not based in Melbourne and now I am very sad about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I work through Zoom. For, for, for a myriad of reasons as well. Just Melbourne is amazing and love Sydney, but mm-hmm. Melbourne is better um but that's really that's amazing because that is so much i find um so much of what you said of you know is stuff that we don't really actually know as performers and you don't really know where to go like stuff to do with tax and superannuation i if i didn't have a tax person who kind of has a little bit of an idea i would have no idea what i can claim and what i can do um, but I feel like also when it comes to things like producing, um, you know, you can, I guess, just jump in and give it a go and see what happens. Sure. But it is definitely something that you, I feel like you want guidance on because I've just finished um, a run of my own show, my own play at Sydney Fringe, which I did not produce. And I'm very glad that I decided <laughs> to not attempt to do that myself because when I saw everything that my producer had to do, I was mm. like, I would have never imagined like yeah. you know that all of the uh, hours and the work that goes into yeah. it and I wouldn't even know where to begin to start to learn how to do that so I feel like it's so important if, it, if you know if it's something you're interested in having a place where you can actually go and get mentorship and do workshops in it it's phenomenal and mm-hmm. as performers you know like you're saying we are a business from yeah. whether performing to creating it's you know and sometimes it's hard I find coming out of uni when you've done like, you know, a degree in like music theater or acting going, well, that's all I'm allowed to do. Right. I'm only allowed to do these things. Like I'm only allowed to perform another work by another person. Um, But actually having a space to go to learn that you can actually do. Yeah. There are so many possibilities, you know, and, and you are much more, open to you know to different paths than you might realize as 
as a, a performer fresh fresh out of school and and as amazing as university is and studying the arts is in the education sector you do kind of feel like you're in a little bit of a bubble and it can be a real shock to the system when you get out and go, oh, wait, I, I can't just walk into a show and a contract immediately and have like a stable income. What does that mean? And how do I balance it? How do I how do I balance making a living during, you know, the the debtor times of my career? And how can I use my skills as a creative to bolster the quiet times if performance is my passion? Yeah, I feel like these days you kind of have to be more than just one thing and to sustain yourself as uh, just someone in the creative arts. I feel like it's it's not even labeling yourself just as a performer. I mean, we do a podcast and we do other things like we write we and you kind of have to be a jack of all trades in a way. And so it's really cool to see a space that you can really learn those things and get help with if you're really particularly interested in exploring something new and different that might be a little bit scary. Um, But also on that as well, the new works, I love new works. It's, it's Mm -hmm. one of my absolute favorite things is, is new musical theater works and finding those places that you can get help developing it, but also, um, even just putting it on, putting the works on themselves at the end of the day after that workshopping is such an exciting thing. And it's, we only see a couple, we've seen a couple come around, like um, you saw like the Deb doing really well with their new musical and things like that. And so it's exciting to see a company taking on that because it can be quite scary to take on new work. It can be. And, and it, you know, it, it is in a way because, you go out on a limb and you're taking a risk, you know, you're putting time, energy and money into something and you don't know what the end result is going to be. But I think there is really something to be said about, you know, about that first intuition when, when you read a few pages or you hear two samples and you get to meet the artist and hear about what they have to say, what their journey is and what their idea of, you know, the finished product is going to be. It's, it's so exciting to be a part of something new and Mm. to just to, yeah, be part of that journey from the ground up and to see where it began and where it goes from there. And I feel like there's, it's like an extra an extra level of love and care and sweat that goes into creating a new work versus, you know, bringing in, don't get me wrong, I love, you know, big budget mega musicals. They're great. Yeah. But there's a different kind of fulfillment, I feel like, as artists we get when we're developing a new musical and touching a character for the first time or hearing a song for the first time, you know? It's very, very, very special. It is. Um, yeah, I'm so Phenomenal. excited for the company. It sounds, it Thank all sounds you. brilliant. And I guess we are also here today. The main reason <laughs> we're here today is to talk about your latest musical that you're popping on. It's yes. called Stranger Things, the musical parody, based <laughs> off Stranger Things. It is. Can you tell us a little bit about Oh my gosh. The show itself. Yes. It's a <laughs> like it is a, a ludicrous love letter to the franchise that is Stranger Things. Um I am a I'm a diehard fan of the series, I am the first to admit. I am on I think my 
third go round now. Um, Yeah, I love it. And um, this, this musical has, you know, everything, obviously, it focuses majoritively on season one, but even with the fourth season having just come out, the writer um, out of New York has peppered in references already for from the new season. And it's just an ode to that fandom, certainly. But beyond that, it, it touches on and kind of does a bit of a send off and a send up and a, a love for musical theater songs and the pop culture of the 80s in general. So it's just like this madcap hour and 45 minute musical that's like everything 80s, every musical you've ever heard of over the last 30 years and like Stranger Things characters that you're kind of obsessed with. And it has a surprising amount of heart amidst amidst the laughter that hurts your face and the singing and dancing. There are some moments I just get goosebumps as well. It's pretty special. I know that Tori is one of the biggest Stranger Things fans around. Like her screensavers, Stranger Things. Yes. She's got like every everything. It's it's incredible. So <laughs> I really wish we were in Melbourne. So I we know. Could go and see I wish you were too. We're gonna we gotta get it to Sydney. I was like opening yes. night, and I was like meet. Uh, what is it? What meat market? What's meat market? <laughs> I was like, where's that? Where's that? I've never heard of that. That's great. And I was like, oh. Oh no! I see. <laughs> but it sounds—it's so exciting to see more work like this. Like one of my all-time favorite plays is Puffs. Yes! Um, oh my and, god, it's so good. And the amount of people that I've met who haven't seen it, but were like, "Oh, but it's like a you know, it's like a parody of something that already exists." And I'm like, I think it is so much harder, in my opinion. <laughs> which is biased, to write (laughs) something based off of something that already exists than it is to write something completely new because you have to do a certain amount of justice to the work that already exists. That's right. Um, And obviously, especially because, you know, when you look at things like Friends, the musical parody, Mm -hmm. um, and Cruel Intentions, and Puffs, you're pretty much calling on that particular fan base to come and see the show. So if you do something wrong... (laughs) You'll know. (laughs) Yeah, and you'll you'll get in trouble for it in a sense. Um, So it's so exciting to see more shows like this come out and be taken, you know, obviously it's a parody, so it's fun, but be taken seriously and not just as, like, you know, a little something that doesn't have to have a budget or anything like that, like being taken serious by in my like by serious companies and serious theater companies it's really exciting to see thank you yeah I I just with this show I think one thing that I've really um kind of instilled in in the team as a whole and the cast um in particular is just the um ability to find kind of the the Mm. extra level of of meaning I guess like uh, the truth Mm -hmm. in the comedy Um, because it's one thing to take a parody and go this is a send-up and like you said just kind of going it's kind of a different version of the same thing but when they're done well a parody is so much more than that 
and you can mm-hmm. you can honor the source material and give the fans what they love but also be able to kind of pay homage to just creativity in and of itself and find those really juicy bits and like the truth in in the silliness and we've really worked hard to find those little beats throughout the script to find find that and make it um, more than what it can potentially be, you know? Yeah, that's so oh, exciting. Man, and it's obviously, so it's not your first parody musical that you've produ- produced. <laughs> what drew you to Stranger Things and, well, Stranger Things, and I guess musical parodies in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, I... I guess base level, I'm very much, um, you know, a a pop culture person. I love Harry Potter. Obviously, I love Stranger Things. And I love just the worlds that these like mega shows can create and the conversation that they can create with people all over the world and people who you might not have much else in common with them, but there is that one thing that you can kind of connect to. And so, and then beyond that, a night at the theater where you just laugh your head off and you can walk out with a sore face is one of the best nights ever. And I think the parody, the parody genre for me, I think, as I said before, being able to find those little bits and pieces within the humor, yeah. um, it's it's like this really juicy work that you get to do in the rehearsal room. And yeah, parodies just, and I guess as a producer from kind of a, a marketing and audience perspective, when you're doing a parody musical, obviously you have the general theater base, lovers of music theater, who would be like, oh, that sounds like fun, that's interesting. But parodies, I feel, really give you an opportunity to invite new audiences in, audiences that may not be familiar with musical theater or haven't really stepped into live theater before but because they know the source material they may go oh i'll i'll check it out so parodies are a great opportunity to kind of give the gift of theater to people who may not have otherwise experienced it yeah and that's kind of beautiful at the same time because (laughs) i never had thought about that but it's so Mm. true because other people who don't usually watch musical theater will come to the theater to then watch something completely new and different and might be so taken aback by it and then create their own passion for wanting to go watch more exactly it's like the the gateway you know yeah it is these are like gateway (laughs) musicals for non-musical theater people yes (laughs) but also still for musical theater people yeah Yeah. i feel like it makes it feel so much more accessible as well because they already know the story and they already kind of have an idea of what's happening and what it's going to be about um, and I feel like when you go into something also knowing that like for a parody that it's going to be fun and that it's going to be funny, yeah. you feel more compelled to like take the risk on, oh, I haven't really like gone and seen like a piece of theater before, but I really like Stranger Things and it's meant to be funny. So it feels, I guess, more comfortable of a setting to go into for a first time. 
And then from there, it's just a gateway drug. Yeah, it is. It's 100% a gateway drug. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) Well, I guess on that note, we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire questions, (laughs) Stranger Things edition. All right, let's go. All right, Tori, you take it away with the first question. (laughs) So the first question is, if you could give death immunity to one character, dead or alive, who would you pick? Eddie. Spoilers, but yes. yes. Dead or alive, dead or alive. Dead or alive, dead or alive. Eddie, exactly. Who knows? That's the correct answer. The absolutely correct answer. I think we all feel it. Felt that right deep. Um, Okay, number two. I think I already know the answer, but Eddie or Steve? Eddie. 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 I love me some Steve, but oh, just Eddie. Mm. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Better be coming back. I know. All right. Would you rather work at Scoops Ahoy or Hawkins Family Video? <laughs> um, I think I would say Hawkins Family Video. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I like me some ice cream very much. Um, but. If you can get free rentals and, and let's be real VHS, like what happened? VHS was a real thing back in the day. And I kind of missed the nostalgia of it because I was alive back then. I mean, same. (laughs) Same. I miss it too. (laughs) It's so funny. I had the conversation with someone today about, we were talking about random pieces of like nostalgia that I own. And I own like all Mm. the Disney movies on VHS just because I still have them. And my staff member looked at me dead in the eye and was like, what's VHS? And I was like, oh, yes! no. no. Right? It's shocking. I had a student do the same. It was either about a VHS or a cassette tape. And I was just like, <laughs> yes, because Taylor Swift's new album came out yesterday. And I was saying to someone, oh, I was considering getting the cassette tape just like to have on like, you know, I can't yeah, put it into anything that I own. My partner has a cassette player, but I don't use it. Um, <laughs> And she was like, a cassette? And I was like, you know, like, you, music. A cassette. What did you put music in? And then I was like, when I grew up, I was a figure skater. And that's what we used to put our program music on, was cassettes. It wasn't CDs, it was on cassettes. Oh, no way. And I was like, that's it. And there you put you program music. And do you remember mixtapes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember a boy, when I was like 16, made me a mixtape. It was the yeah. best. It was so good because I put so much time and effort into it to like cut it together and rewind it and yeah. use the double tape to record. I was like, oh. I love, I love all of that. Like it, it just brings back all nostalgia, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Now you have to pick a best friend, Robin or Dustin. It's oh, a hard one. It is a hard one. I think Robin. Yeah. I think Robin, there's something about her that just, I love that she says it like it is. And I think yeah. as much as she admits that she she kind of can't keep it in, I really appreciate that. And I think it would just be a real, true, honest friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would yeah. I would choose Robin too. Yeah. How about okay. you, Tori? Oh, I would 100%. What about oh, you? Oh, no. <laughs> I oh, think... I think Robin, but Dustin, like, I, Dustin, like, annoyed me so much in the first season. And then by the last season, mm-hmm. like, seeing how much he had, like, grown as a person. Yeah. But I still think Robin. 
I love Robin. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. The final question. I feel okay. like this maybe is an easy choice. I don't know. They're both interesting. <laughs> Would you rather go head to head with Vecna or Angela? Oh. <laughs> she was oh, awful. Man. <laughs> She was. She was such a horrible human. I feel like there's a part of me that almost wants to go Vecna simply because Angela is just kind of like the middle school trauma coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like PTSD. <laughs> but probably realistically, Angela, if if I had a, a roller skate yeah. nearby, I'd be right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I don't know if I could go against Vecna. That would be a bit much. No, too many nightmares. Too many nightmares. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's, well, I guess going back to the musical, because mm. not many people would know this musical, and yeah. is, there, is it like a jukebox parody, or is this music being specifically written for the show, or is it kind of a mixture of music? What type of music can we expect? Yeah, so it has been specifically written for... For the show however um uh the writer cleverly kind of took the themes of a number of familiar songs from from the 80s um and from musical theater as a whole so when you listen to the music there will be a number of moments in the show where you go this feels very familiar somehow and you'll immediately just kind of go oh why do I have this in my head? Like, it's just like, it's in me because you'll know there are, there are odes to a number of familiar songs and kind of music tropes, um, but written in a whole new way. Oh, I love that. Mm. It's kind of good. Cause you'll sort of know, you'll just get that little bit of recognition. Yeah. I don't know. You feel really smart when you, yes. I don't know if anyone else, but it's like, when you hear that and you're like, oh, that's that from, from that song. Absolutely. There. How cool is that? I think it's really smart writing because it just means you can focus more on the words as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Oh, it's so catchy. Yeah. And I feel like then it, it captures as well the time period that it's set in because I feel like that can be like, I see some period, you know, based shows or musicals where you kind of just like, oh, I know that it's meant to like be like a juxtaposition. Like something like Spring Awakening, where it's very clearly set in one time period and the wow. music's very rocky. Um, and, it, and it works, yeah. but I've seen other shows where it's just like, oh, that does not work. And I feel like the 80s in particular has such a specific oh, such sound a specific... that mm-hmm. it would be so hard to capture in completely original music that like works for the show and works thematically and works musically. So I think it's such a brilliant way. And again, a way of bringing in people who might not know music theater to be like oh hey you know this absolutely and it is it's it's got musical theater legs but it's it's a very kind of poppy like pop rock music theater score and um yes expect lots of synth and electric guitar as well i love that i love it all the 80s i guess you know we're we're slowly but surely coming to the end of this interview. We still have a couple more questions. But in yeah. three words, tell us why listeners should come see Stranger Things. Stranger Sings. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so hard. Three words. 
um belly laughs does that count as one belly dash yeah. laughs <laughs> belly laughs I'll make it one toe tapping and heart oh beautiful <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so thrilled. Like this sounds like such an incredible show and a great opportunity for anyone who is in Melbourne to start going to see more of these shows, more of these parodies and more of what is on offer at Salty Theatre because, yes, fantastic. I think, Tori, we have one more question. I've just added a question. I'm sorry. Um, Do it. We were just talking about, obviously, it takes place mostly for season one of the show is Mm -hmm. where I guess a lot of the basis of the story comes from. Do you include the entirety of season one? Are there like parts of season one that you've had to like cut out that you wish you could have had in? That's a good question. Um, I feel like season one is very um quite well represented in in the musical so I would say season one is fairly decently covered but there are definitely characters now that we have come to know and love in latter seasons (laughs) Eddie (laughs) Eddie we were all thinking it that are just like all right gonna have to talk to the writer and be like you need to do you know the parody musical season two uh, (laughs) i feel like it would be season four so hard to pick like especially for something like this like a tv show where it there are now four seasons to pick you know do you attempt to do all four seasons and you kind of only have like chunks of each or do you pick stick to one because i feel like it's so hard and so many shows as well like Stranger Things from the get-go was amazing but it only like got better like I would love to see season three because it is so camp yes yes it really is oh my gosh like I feel like really leaning into season three in a parody musical version it would be I feel like it would be some kind of combination of oh gosh what is super 80s? I don't know. But like the Evil Dead as well, you yeah. know, like that super camp. There's, yeah. Mm. Oh man, there's just, there's so much incredible material that just needs to be, needs to be touched yeah. in this that you just can't squeeze into an hour 45. No, no. <laughs> There'll have to be a part two. <laughs> exactly. Gonna, gonna have to talk to the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. But I guess before we wrap things up today, we wanted to see if you had a bedtime story oh, of like a stage mishap or something has gone absolutely wrong in theater that you have mm-hmm. seen or been in I do I do um I've only told a few people this story and now it's going public why <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you you're welcome my pleasure thank you um when I was 12 years old I was playing Alice and Alice through the looking glass at the Stratford festival um which is um a very renowned um a repertory theater company in North America and beautiful theater, 1200 people filling the space. And, um, at the time I'd recently been diagnosed with a kidney problem that later was addressed, but at the time it hadn't been yet. So like every six weeks I'd, I'd get pretty sick, but this one show I went, ah, oh, I'll be fine. I'm just going to do it. I was very stubborn at 12 years old. I was like, I'm going on, I'm doing the show. <laughs> 
So I was in the middle of a scene in front of 1200 people working with uh, an actor by the name of Douglas Rain, who um, also happens to be the gentleman who played Hal in 2001, A Space Odyssey. So like to me, yeah, to me, it was like starstruck working with this man. And I opened my mouth to say something on stage and I just projectile vomited (laughs) (laughs) everywhere, like full projectile vomit in front of 12. No, No. pitch perfect moment, like a full. (gasps) And I didn't know, like, I didn't even know it was coming. You know how you, you normally, you get like, you get a moment where you go, Oh, this is going to happen. I opened my mouth to speak and that came out instead. (laughs) So I ran off stage. I ran off stage. I found out later that some people thought it was special effects, which is extra gross. But I ran off stage and the assistant stage manager was a superstar and helped clean me up. And then I ran back on and we continued with the show while Douglas Rain was like ad-libbing for 30 seconds on stage while I got cleaned up. And we kept going and God bless one of the other actors in the show who is in a full yellow and green unitard and he like danced on stage and started cleaning up my vomit. Oh, <laughs> and that is my story. That's God. amazing. But they're like, <laughs> what did Alice eat? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, it was all of the That tea. is like, I feel like that exactly. is the worst story we've had. Is it? Yes. I actually think (laughs) some of them are like the best story. Embarrassing, but I feel like that's like because you can't even like. It's like, damn. Yeah, I was gonna say like (laughs) just (laughs) TMI. Thinking back to my latest vomit, that was very (laughs) violent, and like I knew it was coming, and like I feel like you like you heave, so like some warning, but your body was like, okay, 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 go quick, get it out (laughs) now. That's oh my it. god, that was amazing! Thank oh you guys so much oh, for sharing that with us. So my pleasure. Your listeners. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat to us today. It's been absolutely amazing, and of course, it's been a joy, you guys. Please buy tickets to see Stranger Things. You can get tickets at www.saltytheatre.com.au as well as follow them on Instagram, just at Salty Theatre. Nice, nice and simple and easy. Um, Because this is like, Eliza and I are very upset that this is currently only in Melbourne. Currently only in Melbourne. Currently, Um, exactly. Because we would be there in a heartbeat if we could. Um, and when this comes out, opening night is tomorrow night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah very exciting. <laughs> and you're running so took so us to everyone in, in, in the cast and in the creative team. Thank you. But Thank you. And the show is running from the 4th to the 19th of November. Right. So make sure you guys get your yes. tickets at all of those links and thank you so so much for coming on. We had thank such you. a great time. And so what a way to <laughs> finish the year off so thank you so much to everyone for listening for the whole year and being here with us and sharing our passion for theater and creating and we can't wait to bring you guys more content yeah we'll be back uh february 2023 um we are gonna be airing i think on a friday instead of a thursday now at 5 p.m slight slight change of plans um but we'll be back 
next year, Eliza and I are taking a much-needed hiatus because we're both exhausted. <laughs> um, but anyway, you guys, um, thank you so, so much again, Ashley, for coming on and taking the time to chat to us oh, today. My absolute pleasure. It's been so fun. Thank you both. It's been amazing. And I'm so excited that we've got to share Salty Theatre with our listeners as well, because um, it's definitely um, a company that I had kind of heard of in passing, but hadn't heard a lot about previously. And it just sounds like such a phenomenal, phenomenal company, not only for performers, but just creatives in general. Um, So you guys, please make sure you check out Salty Theatre. But until next time, until next year. Stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we'll see you in season four. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.